Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been, and will always be, about buckets. Just attack the basket. Buckets brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. And on today's show, we'll get your best bets for Friday in the National Basketball Association. We got a full slate of tournament games. Very excited to get into that. We'll get to that later on in the show with Sean Little. We're also going to hit on some futures related to the talk that I'm about to have with my friend and co-host uh, of Buckets. She handles the Buckets podcast for WNBA and she's the host of Green Dot Daily. Her name is Maria Marino. You can catch her on Twitter in the Action Network app and every day on Green Dot Daily throughout the week. We're going to talk about the Boston Celtics and the Eastern Conference and if it's not the Celtics and if it's not the Bucks and if it's not the Sixers then who would it be? And we'll get into that later on in the show. I want to let you know that everything we talk about today can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. It's the best way for you to track your picks. You get to track everybody else's picks. You get to go follow Joe DeLera on his insane ladder plays. You get to go catch uh, Jim Turvey, who has lost his mind and is putting bets in there that I'm very excited to yell at him about on Sunday's show. Uh, you can track all sorts of stuff. You can catch Green Dot Daily in the app. If little thing goes up, we're live with Green Dot Daily. Check it out in the app. Also, I want to let you know to go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash The Action Network. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button. Turn on notifications. You're going to catch all, our, all of our great shows. We're working on some live shows for NBA. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Uh, I'm working on, I'm in the beginning stages of planning some stuff for uh, when I'm going to be out in Las Vegas for the in-season tournament. I'm so excited. I'm very excited to be at this goofy tournament that no one can decide if it matters or not. I could only hope, Maria, that the, that the, the courts are as gross in the championship as they've annoyed you during uh, the regular season. So I'm excited for that. Let's get to it. Maria Marino joins me now. We're going to talk. Let's start here, Maria. I have a question for you right off the top, which is, are the Boston Celtics the best team that you've watched in the NBA this season? 
I think that's debatable. Uh, I think the Nuggets make a pretty strong case that they are still the best team in the NBA. And and to be frank, I, I'm here on the East Coast. I've certainly seen more of the Celtics. But when you look at this Nuggets squad, even without Jamal Murray, they're still winning games. And I just feel like they were underestimated all last season. They weren't getting the love in terms of title odds. And here again this season... There's really no indicator to me that they've dipped in any way and they are not the odds leader to win the championship. I believe they are first followed by the Nuggets. And I'm not saying that that's like anything egregious, but I just feel like the Nuggets still deserve the respect. I think they do. What's interesting about this, this is like, these are the kind of questions that I love because it gets into very, um, it takes talking about the association and it turns it from like, who's the best team? into like these micro parse questions. And that to me is like more interesting. And it's one of the reasons I love betting is because we can talk about like, there's two questions that are implicit in this, which are, okay, which team is the best team that you've seen this season? And which team is best prepared to win the title this season? And those are not the same questions, I don't think. That's very true. And it's and it's so early that sure. no matter what, I say, or what I, what I think, what I've seen assessing thus far, it's most likely not going to stand uh, come the end of the season. And that's a big reason why I'm not saying Philly's the best team in the East, even though, uh, you know, they did serve up Boston's, I think it was their first loss of the season last week. Obviously they lost the other night um, on a back-to-back, but most of the time when we're talking about the Sixers, Late in the season, in the postseason, we're talking about whether or not Joel Embiid is on the floor. And I have seen no evidence (laughs) to suggest that he is going to not require rest or actually be able, he might be active, but will he actually be effective? We saw this past postseason played, but didn't look right, didn't look healthy. I'm pretty sure the most amount of games he's ever played in a season was last year at 68. And I find it really interesting because, of course, as you know, now we have a a rule that the NBA imposed that awards require at least 65 games. And like any other year, (laughs) he would not have um, have been eligible for that. So anyway, I just bring that up to say that um, part of my belief in the Celtics as far as just winning the East is that I don't believe in Philly. Yeah. So here's like an interesting like kind of dynamic to look at this, um, which is because I, I started by asking like, is they are they the best team that you've seen this season? And I think mm-hmm. again, I think it's a really interesting like how we parse this. So the Nuggets are nine and two. The Celtics are nine and two. Mm-hmm. The Nuggets are five and six against the spread. The Celtics are six, three, and two. Mm-hmm. And so that is in part you could say like well that's you know that's against that's a that's the number right it's it's based off of how you performed against the spread how does that indicate team strength my counter argument would be that we find you can't really look at these games and say that the nuggets are favored by significantly more than boston mm. and so what you got here is when we get into like these power ratings and so um mine's very interesting in that i've got the celtics right right now at an ungodly number like it's it's really truly painful to me like i'm having to hold back on them so far trying to resist um what the power rating is saying because my number is like they are 10 and a half points better per my number on a neutral floor versus an average opponent that's nuts Hmm. 
That's mm-hmm. extremely high. Denver is, is only four and a half. That's discounted a little bit for Jamal Murray. And that's based off of the in-season performance. But to your point about Denver, if you said the playoffs are starting tomorrow, we just changed everything up and we're starting tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Who's winning the title? I am not saying the Boston Celtics and I am saying the Denver Nuggets. Right. Why is that? Like, what is it about Boston that no matter what, like, cause they, you know, they were the number two seed last year and the middle bucks were a little fraudulent. We kind of talked about that mm-hmm. before the playoffs. Um, but like they rack up all these wins and everything looks so good. And they've got Drew Holiday. Like Jason Tatum's on-court net rating now is plus 21, which makes me want to throw up a little. Like they've <laughs> faced some tough teams and Tatum is just annihilating in his minutes they have a 30 point turnaround when he's off the floor they're plus 21 on court minus 10 and if you want to like those are numbers right and it can get repetitive the best way i could put it is they are beating the ever-loving shit out of teams when tatum is on the floor and getting their ass kicked when he's on the bench but my but i feel the same way as you which is if we're starting the playoffs i trust denver more why do you think that is i have a lot to unpack here uh first of all What Tatum is doing, he should be doing. And you could argue that he's behind schedule. He's been great, don't get me wrong, but he hasn't been that great in the postseason. Like, he hasn't played his best basketball in the postseason. Outside Um, of Game 7. I will give him Game 7, the 50 drop versus Embiid. I'll give him that. I'll give him that. Um, but but in general, but in general, Matt, how many times would we be watching games and the first three quarters he'd be great, fourth quarter, mm-hmm. where was he? Or shooting terribly from the floor. Um, and I'll say this for the Celtics. I was wrong. I was wrong about the Celtics, I think, uh, this offseason. I was like, what in the hell are they doing? They trade Marcus Smart, who's like the heart and soul. They bring in Porzingis. I'm like, I'm like, KP, like, is he gonna stay healthy? I think um, what you saw the other night, obviously, they still were able to thrive against Philly uh, without Jalen Brown on the floor. Um, and who else? They were, miss- they were missing Porzingis. Mm-hmm. So, look, you're seeing that they're, they're going to be a better team this year. And, you know, I, I swear, I thought to myself, oh, my gosh. Like, it wasn't until I was getting ready to come on with you that I was like, wow, I thought about Marcus Smart. I literally uh-huh. haven't heard this man's name since the season started. Like, I didn't yeah. miss him at all. Uh, I mean, part of that is he's on a Memphis team that's got a whole slew of, of issues. But Derek White yeah. has emerged. And I got to say, I've been a fan of his for a while not even just last postseason. I remember the postseason prior just being like Derek White. Like he, every single time he's on the floor, it seemed like he would do something impactful, do something positive. Now he's a starter and like you're seeing what he's capable of doing. And so I have to give credit in terms of, I think these offseason moves are working out. Um, as to why I still don't necessarily look at the Celtics and the Nuggets and feel confident about the Celtics. I mean, the Nuggets, not only have they have they done it, and they have a coaching advantage, I still think. I still think yep. Missoula is not necessarily the coach that Mike Malone is. It's Jokic. It's really mm-hmm. Jokic that I have the confidence in because, because the Joker is so stoic that like I feel like going into any playoff series – he is never going to be like rattled. He's never going to be up in his head. He's never going to like, I don't know. I, I don't know that I've seen an, a player just as like even keel. And maybe it's because he cares more about his horses than, you know, being on the floor. I don't know what it is, but 
I'm not knocking it. I'm saying like whatever it is about his mentality, I think is so um it's so valuable. And whereas like the mentality of somebody like a Tatum, I just feel like I've seen signs of that kind of breaking at times. Now, I do think again, you you lose Marcus Smart, and I feel like now there's no question. There's no question who the closer has to be, right? It's Tatum. Yeah. Like right. if it's not like if it's not Tatum, like you're not winning. So like I think there's something to whatever the moves that he made. Um, even with Jalen Brown at times, there's been a, a push and pull between Brown and Tatum, like whose team is this and blah, 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 blah. And I think and that's I kind still, of gotten in the way. I think that's still there too, because like you saw Jalen right. Brown with one of the late possessions the other night and it it like the one of the worst kept secrets in the league is basically that there is a finite timeline with with Jalen yeah, and, and like they're buds and they work out together and they're good like they're good there's not tension between them it's not like a Brown and, and Tatum don't like each other thing that's you couldn't have succeed as much as they they have honestly together um with a toxic relationship right. but I do think that eventually Jalen's gonna be like I'm tired of always getting the blame and never getting the credit. I'm yep. tired of not being the guy. Like he's got the contract, got the, got the, got the max level extension. And now it's like, okay, what do I want for my career from here? And whether that's, you know, two years from now, three years from now, we'll see. For me, a lot of it, the reason I, I kind of doubt them and you're, you're absolutely right. I want to, I'll praise a lot of what they, what they've got. Mm-hmm. The offense is still so perimeter oriented. And that's why I think Porzingis is so vital to all this is there were sequences when they pulled away from the Sixers where they were just like, we're going to run Tatum and, and or not the Sixers game, but in, in one of the other games that they won, mm-hmm. um, the Nets game is when it was. It's Tatum and, and Porzingis pick and roll. They have a mechanism that they can just get to. And it actually creates leveraging the defense versus so much of their stuff is just, let's whip it around the perimeter and then drive and then we'll whip it around the perimeter some more. And the ball movement's good, but I always say this, you got to have purposeful ball movement. Um, yeah, the, like the Mavericks is a good example of this are actually passing less than last year, despite playing faster this season Mm -hmm. and their offense is even better. And a lot of that is they're not passing as much, but when they do pass, it's impactful. They're leading to quality shots. Um, and that to me is a big deal. I will say in the Celtics defense that like, well, first I want to, I want to kind of close on Tatum, which is you kind of mentioned like the difference between Tatum and Jokic. Brandon talks about this a lot on the pod of when we talk about MVP or even really finals MVP, winning a championship. Can you be one of these guys? Like, Mm -hmm. can you be really considered the best player in the league? Like, can you be considered that by like, can that argument be made for you? And Brandon's kind of like, I don't think Tatum's there. I just don't think he's at that level. Uh, Ken Barkley, I go on him with, with him every week on you better, you bet. Great show. Mm -hmm. He shares kind of that same feeling, which is, are you really going to feel like Tatum's the best player? in a series and that's really the gap and it's mm. got to be tough i think for celtics fans because you look at it and like tatum's averaging 29 like the numbers are ridiculous like and he's averaging close. i mean it's close like no it's not close to Jokic because like it's not close because what Jokic is doing is quite honestly like again i want to throw up i can't believe he's doing this again but like yeah tatum's averaging 29 9 and 4 that's awesome and he's doing right. it on 52 40 splits but i i do say this as much as i'm numbers oriented you can have numbers that are equal and one game will feel wildly different from the other. And when Jokic has a big game, it feels like, what are you going to do? And sometimes Tatum has big games and you're like, yeah, Tatum played well, but yeah. you know, you're not scared of him. And that difference well, I think does matter. 
And I think Jokic is, I know this word gets thrown around a lot, but like a unicorn in that he does so many things so well that even right. if he's having an off shooting night, he finds another way to impact the game, uh, not in a minuscule fashion, but like in a significant fashion. Um, yeah. So he can make up for that. But uh, going back to where we started here with what these two teams are doing right now, I do think there's something to be said for not just getting wins, but how you win. And in terms of who is the best team, like, yeah, at the end of the day, whoever has the most wins is going to get this many seed. Whoever's the, the last, you know, the last team standing is, is going to win it all. But for the purposes of who is the better team, those numbers do matter. Um, as far as like, if you're, if you're scraping by or scraping together wins versus you're winning handily. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Derek White. I will say one of the big advantages, there's a couple of things different with this Boston team that I think will help them in the playoffs. I mentioned the KP component and he's been great. And I loved it. He did an interview um, with that. I posted on Twitter with Christian um, from the NYD Daily news. And it was talking about how he, he like KP said, I'm better suited as like the third or fourth guy. And that perspective is mm. massive because a lot That's of guys right. never get there. Like they never get to a point where they're like, I need to be three or four. Um, the Clippers have this problem, honestly, right now where they got like, they have four. I think Paul George is willing to be three or four, but they got three guys that all think that they're one. And <laughs> the one guy, the guy that should be one, who's Ka Kawhi Leonard, doesn't yeah. want to be one all the time. Um, yeah. Anyway, they, got the KP, they got that KP component. You mentioned Derek White. Him and Drew Holiday being able to, because they did this, they've done this before. Um, in the Sixers game, they lost. They still played pretty well, and they're able to stagger where it's like, "Hey, Tyrese, Maxi, congratulations! Uh, you survived the stint with Drew Holiday on you. He's going to the bench. Oh no, nope, here comes Derek White. Good luck with that." And when you got both of those guys, like teams are going to have nightmares with those two guys in, in the defensive backcourt. I think in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think Kristaps Porzingis is, is one of those players that is also unicorn-esque. He just doesn't yeah. get that same love uh, because he hasn't been consistently on the floor as much. And you're always wondering, like, is he is he going to be healthy? And when you get to the postseason, I mean, first of all, it's it's hard to win back-to-back -back championships. And I, w I was saying this all throughout the WNBA season uh, when I was uh, – wondering, you know, could the Aces really pull it off? And I and I feel the same way about the Nuggets. I mean, yeah, the Warriors with, you know, super team mode with Durant and then before that, uh, the Heat with LeBron, like they they won back to back chips. Like is is Denver is Denver gonna be the next one? Like are they yeah. gonna be there? And, you know, health is a factor for them too, particularly Jamal Murray, because, you know, a hamstring injury is uh somewhat concerning for a post ACL uh, surgery player and they have a lot of miles on them from yeah. last postseason. Although the Celtics kind of have a lot of miles on them too, because they've been deep into the postseason the past few Any times time. and particularly yeah. Tatum. Uh, so there's, there's, there's a lot to be excited for. I'm, I'm curious, like, yeah, is this the year that the Celtics finally break through? Cause frankly, they've been disappointing in a way. And I'm not saying they haven't had great seasons. They have, it's just like, You've felt multiple times here, like they can win a chip, they can win a chip, and they ha haven't, they haven't done it. 
And that, and that kind of, I think, leads us to who's the other team, right? Because um, we, you know, we've, we've given a lot of love to the Sixers and they deserve it. Like that team's really good. I think it's okay right. to still have skepticism on if MB can carry through this performance, stay healthy and perform yeah. like this in the postseason. He hasn't made it out of the second round. Right. Um, the Bucks, I think, are starting to stabilize a little bit. I still have a lot of questions about the defense. I still have a lot of questions about the coaching. I'm really worried um about the coaching side of things still even though they've they've kind of they've improved why because they stopped doing what the coach wanted them to do that's a warning sign um i know but if we talk about the other team because kind of what you're getting at here is when you talk about the celtics and them not being able to break through yeah a large part of it does come down to tatum as much as i think tatum has improved and maybe like he controls the game so much more now than he did two years ago he's able to leverage the defense he's a great passer he's wit- like he understands how to find the gaps and he's an excellent defender but but the problem is if we look at this history of all their success like we go back to the bubble who was the best player in the eastern conference finals and they lost it was jimmy butler mm-hmm. uh who was they, next year they get a pass because everybody was screwed that year after ma- making the, the conference finals in the bubble all four of those teams agreed agreed um 2022, they make the finals. Who was the best player in the finals? It was Steph Curry. Last year, they make the conference finals. Who was the best player in that series? Uh, honestly, it was Caleb Martin, but Jimmy Butler won ECF MVP. And so it's like, that does kind of, kind of bring the, this question and of... Uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, let's not forget, too, the year they made it to the finals, it was a controversial Game 7 with the yeah. Heat that really could have gone either way, but continue. Yeah. And I'm setting you, I'm setting you up here. I'm setting you up here cuz this is this is and I'm not even kidding cuz this is where I've I keep getting to. I did this in preseason. Brandon and I were on a pod and we're doing title futures and I was like, "Okay, so let's look at the East." And I was like, "All right, well, if we don't think it's Philly cuz the Harden thing was supposed to be a problem, it's not." But okay, if it's not Philly and it's not and if it wasn't Boston and if it wasn't Milwaukee, who would it be? And I came back and I put the same bet in that I can't believe I can't believe it, but I mean, we're here again. I did their bet stream on 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 Tuesday. And I honestly think they're a little underrated right now. We're recording this as they're up on the Brooklyn Nets. I don't know how, but if we're if we're just looking at the Eastern Conference and saying if it's not one of those three teams, you get to who's got the best coach and who's got the best player when the playoffs come in the Eastern Conference. And the answer is Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler. Yes, agreed. And we've talked about it on Green.Daily as well. It's just sort of a, a process of elimination where – you're looking at these other teams like Indiana's a, a great story so far, but do I really think they're going to make that no. jump and like uh-huh. challenge no. in the East? You know, no. the Cavs are kind of right there. Donovan Mitchell's fantastic, but no way do I buy them being the next best team after the Bucks. Uh, so I, <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. And it's like, it's, it's not, it's, it's more so what we've seen happen. Like, like you said, you laid it out the past few years. We have seen the Heat time and time again be in it deep into the postseason, make it to the finals or close to it. They've done it before. And I, I wonder about this team too, because I know that there are uh, trade rumors floating around already, at least with the Bulls and Zach Levine. And if he stays in the East, does that affect anything? My personal opinion is a team like the Heat's probably not going to go after him because we've seen multiple examples of they're just not super aggressive with with trades. They're just not. It's not in their MO. They're not about like 
quick fixes manufacturing. They're just like, yeah, whatever. We'll breed the guys that we have and we'll be fine. Like that just yeah. seems to be the way of one Pat Riley. So I don't necessarily see that happening anyway. And then I would say this too, teams that make like say a trade deadline move or even just a recent trade, the the continuity matters. It does. It might eventually work itself out, but in the immediate, it matters. Um, we saw it with the Mavs last year. We saw it with the Suns last year. They're, you know, doing their thing at the moment, but like post-trade deadline, their big acquisitions didn't mean anything right. uh, for that particular postseason. And then you're seeing it with the Bucks this year. So they made the trade for Dame shortly before the season. And, you know, it's taken some time. It Continuity matters. It's something that um, we saw with the Nets as well when it when they had, you know, the mess with Harden, Kyrie, KD. Like, so I think there's something to be said for I'm not necessarily expecting someone to go out and get like a Zach Levine and then all of a sudden be a contender. Yeah. I mean, I think from the Heat's perspective too, it's tough. One of the problems that you run into when you're trying to negotiate a trade, and this is something that uh, I worked really hard to kind of nail this down talking to executives um, because I don't think it's discussed enough. If you know a guy has an asset you will, and they won't include it, you will take a lesser deal because you're not willing to do the deal with a guy that wouldn't give you their best offer. Like you'd rather take a worse best offer than a superior not best. And how that translates with the Heat is like, the Heat are not going to give up Jaime Hawkes. Have you seen him? He looks great. Like he's a perfect gap filler. He looks like perfect heat culture. He looks like exactly the kind of guy that's going to play with that franchise and get a massive payday from the Lakers and then get shipped out in a deal for the, for Zach Levine in here in a few months. Like that, that's exactly. And so they're not going to include Jaime Hawkes in any sort of deal for Zach Levine. They're not going to do it. And if you're the bulls, you're like, I'm not doing this deal without Jaime Hawkes. And they're like, we're not going to give it to you. And then the heater are going to be like, you took that offer, but we offered you Caleb Martin and whatever else. And they're like, yeah, we yeah. didn't put in Jaime Hawkes. And that, that dynamic, I think, happens a lot more than people realize. And some of that is like optics for GMs. But some of it is also like, you want to feel like you're trading in good faith with a team. And that was what doomed Miami with the Dame right. stuff. Now, well, actually, I said this on multiple podcasts. That wasn't Miami's fault. It was Dame's agent. Is that Dame agent poisoned the well so much that Portland yeah. did not feel like they could negotiate in good faith with Miami and that poisoned things. I also think that the other reason why we are all kind of coming to that conclusion where we're deferring to the heat as like the next possibility is because not only have they shown that they can get there, they've shown that they can be shitty in the regular season and get there. So it's yeah. almost like whatever we're seeing right now on the floor um, we're not sitting there thinking that this is anything like what we're going to see from the Heat in the postseason because we've seen that juxtaposition yeah. Yeah. more than yeah. once. I mean, even yeah. when they made it to the finals uh, previously in the bubble, what have you. I mean, that was through upsets. It wasn't mm -hmm. through they were expected to be there. They completely upset the Bucks uh, yeah. more than once. So um, that's the other thing where it's like you can't – you feel like you can't count them out even if they're not playing great in the regular season. Yeah, it's tough because when they win games, you're like, oh, look at this Heat team. Look at this Heat team coming together, playing so well. And then they lose, and you're like, who cares? They lost last year, and they still made the finals. Like, you can't disqualify them. There's no way to disqualify them. Um, but I will say that, like, look, uh, I can't trust Cleveland because of J.B. Bickerstaff. I just can't do it. It's on top of the Donovan Mitchell questions about whether yeah. he's going to be there or not. Um, yeah. 
I, I don't trust the Bucks because of coaching. I don't trust the Celtics because of coaching. Mm. And I I will say Nick Nurse makes it a lot easier to trust the Sixers, but I can't trust the Sixers because of Embiid. And so yeah. if I cannot drink the wine in front of you and I can't drink the wine in front of that other guy or that other guy or that other guy, I'm just going to have to poison myself with the Miami Heat who are 16-1 to 1 to win the Eastern Conference over mm. at that MGM, the King of Sports. I know. Sports. It's tempting. It's really tempting because I truly feel like I I don't want to bet I don't want to bet Philly. I've made that clear. The Bucks, like I do think they are going to figure it out and they are going to get way better. But I completely understand the the coaching uh, skepticism that you have, and I just I, I don't know that Giannis is like. I don't know that he is like this master of the game yet. Um, I know that sounds nuts because he's like insanely talented, but like, I don't know. He's, he's not, he's not like a Jokic that's going to like, I don't know, be able to do like freaking math in his head and like make everything just work and flow together. So um, I do, I do wonder about that, even though I'm so excited to actually be able to watch Damian Lillard, like, you know, me and my Eastern standard time. You know me. I like to go to bed, you know, fairly early. So to actually be able to get watch, to get to watch Damian Lillard, you know, I like Dame Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> there you go. Um, all right, it's Maria Marino. You can catch her on Green Dot Daily every single day in the Action Network app, Monday through Friday. And you can catch her on the Walkouts podcast as well when the WNBA gets back up again. Maria, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. And don't put it past me next time. Maybe next time I'll, I'll consider making some hard picks for you. I'm going to, I'm going to get you in on the best bets files, Maria. We got to get you in on the best bets. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's Maria Marino. We'll be up next with Sean Little. He and I are going to talk about some futures and we'll give you best bets for Friday. Buckets is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, join me now, Sean Little. You can catch him on Twitter in the Action Network app at Chicago Flow. He's pissed off because he had Nets uh, first half on our best bets last night, and they clanked it because the Miami Heat are fucking voodoo. Um, I, had them, <laughs> I had them full game, which which that that one looked like a much wider score. I just. I feel like I got to cap the heat two different ways, Sean. I got to cap them with Tyler Hero and then without. And the team without Tyler Hero, it needs like a five-point bump in power rating. It's like the only thing I can really explain here with the heat and their voodoo shit. Yeah, that's, uh, it is a really interesting piece because we saw them be so successful without Tyler. Yeah. But look at the rest of the roster that they had on that team. No. There was a lot of other guys that were there that know, could but... step up and fill in. They're no longer there, so that's not supposed to work, right? And then and yet, he and disappears, yet. and now you're arguing with people about is a team better without probably their best score on the floor. And yeah. it seems illogical, but it, it seems to be true some of the time. So it's yeah. an illogical team throughout the years, and in a logical situation overall. Um, I talked with Maria Marino about the Celtics, and I did want to kind of go back on the on the numbers on them um, from a betting perspective. Look, they're plus 375 right now to, to win the title, plus 150 to win the East. We constantly tell you, like, don't bet at peak value in the regular season. Tatum misses a month, that number will go down. You can hit it then. Uh, yeah. Brown misses time, that number will go down. They'll hit a losing streak at some point. Like, there will be a time to be, I mean, even like last year, as much as like, well, it's like, well, they lost in the conference finals. Yeah. But you could have still gotten a really good price on them. Given the fact that they made the conference finals when the bucks passed them. Like we were talking about, like we, we bet a lot on the Celtics, which honestly worked out. Okay. Cause we were able to, to bet on the heat too. Um, in a lot of those situations to kind of hedge it. So there'll be a better time to bet Miami. Like now is not the time to get it on futures for the Miami heat right, or for the Boston Celtics right now. Yeah, I agree. This is the same situation we're going to be in for the remainder of the year. I think on one of the first episodes of the year, we talked about Matt said, hey, if you want to bet the Boston Celtics at any point in time, especially in Boston at home in a game, be ready to lay eight points, nine points against really good basketball teams. And that's the situation you're going to be in if you want to back a fully healthy Boston Celtics team. That's that's just what it's going to what it's going to be. Um. Look, we're early on MVP, beginning of December, first week of December. I'm going to do a lot of work on MVP. We'll have articles. We'll talk web pods. We'll do the whole thing on the in the first week of December. We're going to do the first week of every month on buckets. We will do heavy awards talk, in particular MVP. Um, I will just say that right now, Tatum, I think, has the best value, except for the fact that I just like... It's like, oh, Tatum's numbers are really good. And then you stack them up with Jokic's and you're just like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, <laughs> right now, I don't know what to, what else to do with the MVP. Like, again, we got a couple weeks. We'll see how things kind of look. But if the Nuggets are going to keep rattling off wins without Jamal Murray, even if they're not covering, and they're not, but if they, if they keep winning without Jamal and Joker it keeps, like, 
Joker's averaging career career high in points. He's better. He's fucking. He's better. So I I I don't know what to do. I think the Tatum like I think the Celtics are going to win the most games, and I think Tatum's going to average like thirty seven five, which is really great. But you're going to stack those numbers up against Jokic and just be like, meh, it's fine. Yeah. Let's talk about where we're at with Jokic right now in the NBA. It's similar to the LeBron years where we could we could have given LeBron MVP every single year. Yeah, that's what that's where we're going to be at with Jokic w- with the amount of usage, the on-off court splits, the record of that team across the board. It's going to be absolutely lights out for those guys, right? So we're in What's a situation crazy? where 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 if you if you just look at the pure numbers and what he produces. Oh, yes, this guy's the MVP, but that's just not how awards work. Yeah. So it's tough. Yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna be tough. Like, if the Nuggets get the one seed, he's gonna. I, 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 we talk so much about the age stuff, but like, I think he's gonna win it. I was expecting him to coast more, and he's not coast. Like he's he is barreling down. He pushed himself when that schedule got hard. They played seven and nine, nine and eleven, and like he was burning himself at the end of these games in the fourth quarter, outrunning these other dudes. When he's in this bad schedule spot, it's crazy. I will say that usually he's the dominant one in the on-off splits. Uh, this year, the Nuggets are 23.2 points better with him on the on the court for 100 possessions. That's great. Uh, as I mentioned earlier with Maria, Tatum's 30. <laughs> the Celtics <laughs> are 30 points better for 100 possessions with Tatum on the floor. It's absolutely wild. Uh, we'll get more into those bets later. Let's do best bets for the Friday slate. We have an awesome slate. These NBA... I'm just, I love these tournament nights. They're so good. The games are competitive. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of stuff to bet. Uh, give me your best bets for the Friday slate. Yeah, I got one. And I'm going to the Chicago Bulls minus one versus the Magic. You, took me a you, lot to say that, Matt Moore. You poor bastard. That, you poor, <laughs> poor bastard. It took, me, it took me a lot to say that. But uh, we'll get into a trend that we pulled, Matt, and a couple other, couple other key reasons why I like the Bulls here. Minus one. I've got over 233.5 in Sixers Hawks. I've got an over on uh, 217.5 on Rockets Clippers. There are other games I want to talk through with you because I am not brave enough to do them, to play them yet. But I will hopefully have that courage by the time that we get done talking. Um, let's. I want to set the trend for the tournament nights real quick before we do your cap. Um I thought this was interesting. So an update, I talk a lot about how favorites are winning, dogs are covering, and that trend continues to be true. Here is the most salient one that I found through the three tournament nights that we've had, Sean. ATS, home, dogs, nine and one against the spread so far. So there's a there are some home dogs on this slate, and my model doesn't like any of them, which is killing me. I was searching for them after I found that. Uh, home favorites in the tournament so far, seven, eight, and one. So they're under 500. So it tells you like road, you know, uh, road favorites are one and nine against the spread so far. Overall in the tournament on these nights, if you want the over-under update with the courts, 30 and 22, 58% of the over so far on tournament nights with an average combined actual total. The pregame total in the market is 227.5 on these, and the actual is somewhere around uh, 231. So that's we got about four points of, di- of difference on the over on the average numbers. Um, okay, so you've got the Bulls, and you've got the Bulls in a very specific spot that 
Ken Barkley termed these spots duplex spots. You play them twice in a span of a number of days. You're, you have them either home and home or away home or home away. This is a double home spot. Why do you like this spot for them? Yeah. First off, I feel like I've been seeing the board very clearly. We took a tough L on the last Buckets pod for Thursday. Gave out on Nets first half plus two, and they were up six with about 90 seconds to go in that first half and absolutely imploded there. So I just feel like I'm seeing the board really well. And if you go back and watch the end of the Bulls' magic in game one at the United Center, the way the Bulls closed the game, I was very encouraged by. Um, I talked to AC about he had, he was on the Bulls minus three. And I didn't love the spot there because Zach Levine isn't a guy that's going to take the slander and turn it into positive juice and get angry at people and kind of go out there and try to prove people wrong. That's not really his game. And going in, that's what I thought. But the way he closed and the way the Bulls closed after easily one of their worst offensive performances of the year, at one point in the second half, they were in the low 50s in the middle of the third quarter. They were playing terrible on offense. Came back, closed really strong. Now, on top of them me believing they're going to bring that same momentum as they did to close the game against the same opponent in Orlando. We talked about this duplex spot in a trend that is absolutely undeniable. All right, so the home favorite after coming off a loss in the second game of a duplex spot is 32-12 and 12 straight up. That's 72.7%. 26-17-1 against the spread. That's 60% with an average line of six points. This is a pick em. This is minus one for the Bulls at home. It is absolute desperation time. Just they are in dire need of a win. Billy Donovan, the whole crew. DeMar DeRozan is still questionable coming into this game. If he came in, I would love that bump as well. He's dealing with some personal issues. But DeMar, no DeMar. With that trend and the way they close the game, I like this spot. It's tough to beat a team back-to-back nights in their building. I think the Bulls overall have the talent that can compete in this very nuanced spot. I'll lay the point and take the Bulls at home. This season, it's it's flipped a little bit where the dogs are doing very well. So if, if Orlando keeps taking money, because I think this is Bulls, uh, this open Bulls. Yeah, we're still, still we still got one and a half in the market. So yeah. they're still hanging there um, as a favorite. It's been, a little, but the overall trend has been this way where it's like, look, if you're a favorite and you lose that first one, you are more likely to get the second one. Like that's just what we've seen. And you're more likely to cover it pretty convincingly versus I do think if you win that first one, we saw in the Pacers, right? Like the Pacers tournament game, I think last week was really interesting. Um, I do think the duplex spot gets a little fucked up by the, by the tournament spot here, right? Where both teams have a heightened level of motivation. We do see the dogs covering a little bit more um, road dogs, even covering a little bit more. So I think that that messes with us a little bit here. Um, I will say that like Orlando is really inconsistent and they're a team I've got to be careful with because I like them. Like I like Orlando and I want yeah. good things for them. And like, I want them to win. And like, I, I think that they're really cool. And I have the, I have like a small bet on their win total over. And so all these things are kind of positive, but also um, they're a young team coming off of a massive win. That was a buzzer. Like a, it, it, it was Pal Caro with the game winner. And so no WCJ, who I think is, is really underrated as far as how good he is, and no Markel Fultz. Um, 
that's you know that's tough. And then you got Caruso is probable for this one. I will say DeRozan's questionable for this one with personal reasons. Um, I would probably say that you want to wait. Like, I'll, well, I'll ask you that. Um, if DeRozan plays and if he doesn't play, give me the cap. Yeah, I I think it's either way. If if DeRozan plays, great. I I, I actually like this up to like three and a half. If Woo. DeRozan comes back. DeRozan comes back and plays. I think the Bulls come in and take care of business. Without DeRozan, it should stay around that one, one and a half spot. I like the Bulls to come out and get a W here. The way they closed, I was very encouraged. I think they'll bring that same energy. And I just don't see them folding. I know I, I have a lot to say about the Bulls. We could record <laughs> a four-hour pod about the state of the organization. I know them pretty well. I follow them secondly to the Knicks at the moment. This is a really good spot for them to show up on back-to-back nights, and I love that trend with the, with the home and home. I don't, I don't expect the Bulls to take an L here. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. My best bet, I've got Sixers and Hawks over. And right now in the market, that's 235 and a half. I grabbed this at 233 and a half. It's up to 235 and a half. Uh, I will tell you, I will go ahead and like this at pretty much any number that you're going to get it at. Because I've got this projected way, 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 way. I have this in the 250 range, uh, which seems excessive, but it's just built off of what the numbers spitting out for how these two teams have performed in the half court. Um, there's a little bit of, of trend here too, where the Hawks this season are six, four and one to the over the 76ers this season are seven and four to the over. So we have two teams that have beaten expectations on the market towards the over. Um, we see overs consistently, as I mentioned here on tournament game nights. So Point differential matters, so every team's trying to, one, keep it as close as possible for for, uh, point differential. They don't stop. And two, they're trying to put up points at the end of these quarters. They're going, like, there's been a lot of buzzer beaters because guys are are not waiting to preserve their field goal percentage. Coaches have told them to put those shots up. Those those shots aren't going to go in very often, but what we are seeing is we are seeing increased scoring. So when I got this number at 235.5, I think it's a really good spot to grab the over on Sixers and Hawks. I can see the Hawks putting up, I can see the Sixers putting up like 130 on their own on the Hawks, given how the interior defense looks um, and their ability to kind of get out and transition. But this Hawks offense is pretty competent too. And the Sixers have allowed a, a few spots of teams being able to get points up on them. So uh, I like the over here, 233 and a half. I like it 235 and a half or whatever you're going to find in the market. Yeah, and especially if we can get some positive regression from Trey Young from the shooting side of the rock, then this should fly over. I tweeted out yesterday that Trey Young's points prop has been right around that 25.5 point number, and he's gone under an 8 of 10 to start the year. He has been absolutely abysmal from three, shooting under 30%. And if, if, if he can get going in a spot that maybe Maxi could give him some motivation on, on that side of the rock, it should go over, but I love how Hunter's playing. He's been awesome. I love his game. There's so many guys I wish I could just pluck from situations and just save them and just put them in different in different teams, different situations, and just watch how much they would impact. And he's one of those guys for for Atlanta, similar to Caruso. 
there's there's a, a bunch of guys you can you can pluck out of out of different clubs or, or around the league, and um, he's one of them. But yeah, also Philly looked super sluggish the other night against the Celtics on that back to back. This is their first game on the road in a while. They played. Yeah. I want to say I don't have it in front of me. I think six or seven games straight at home. So I think it's seven straight games at home. This will be the first game on the road in a while for them. The that I think Derek White and Boston woke them up a little bit. Yeah, if I if, if it would have to be an over for me or nothing, Trey Young shows up and can get going. This could fly over. Yeah, so this is uh seven and four. The Sixers have gone over their team total and they've allowed the opponent to hit their team total uh in six of eleven. So we we've got a pretty consistent trend here where the Sixers, even when they play pretty good defense, are still letting teams hit over their uh, their team total. So like that spot. I've got over in Clippers Rockets, and that's purely just like a numbers play. This is a this is a weird number at two eighteen. It's based off mostly of Houston's defense, which um, is the better part of of their team so far. And it's a credit to Ime Doka that their defense is actually hanging in there. Uh, they do have, I will say, the twenty third ranked overall strength of schedule, and defensively the twenty twentieth ranked defensive strength of schedule. Houston's a little fraudulent, like. I think Houston's going to be way better. And like, this is a good start for them to get way better, right? Like they can get upwards of 30, 30 wins. They're probably going to hit their win total over. I bet out of an under that I bet early in preseason, Brandon talked me into it. And then I saw them in preseason was like, nah, this seems like structured. I'm going out. I'm, I'm getting out of that bet. So I bet the over. So I'm going to come out neutral there, but like, they're going to be pretty good. They're also not six and three good. Like every, every statistical marker that we've got strength of schedule, net rating, offense, defense, everything says that this team isn't that good. Um, the one reason I wanted to talk about it, I think the total is, is just a numbers play for me. It's a low number over, you know, we've got the overtrend on tournament nights. I think this is a good spot. I wrote on the Clippers after the when Tuesday, Tuesday night game versus, uh, the, the nuggets. And I wrote that they've probably turned a corner. And I immediately after that game, like I looked for, I was like, who are they playing next? I was like, Houston. I was like, okay, good. I was like, they're at home. They're facing Houston. This is a really good spot. And the books were like, go fuck yourself because we're going to go ahead and we're not going to get suckered in by Houston being six and three. We're going to make this five and a half. <laughs> yeah. You're not yeah. getting any two and a half markers against a six and three really tough Houston team after you've lost seven or six straight. No, no breaks for you, Matt. Um, my number screams, you got to bet Houston here. They've been better all year. They're way better right now. Um, the Clippers have been terrible and that's dragged all their numbers down. The spot to me is like Clippers, 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 Clippers. I want to bet the Clippers. I'm trying to get the guts up to basically take them at what is perceived as a nadir and to bet against Houston in a high spot. I want the Clippers here. Should I leave it alone? Because like the split between the, I don't have alignment. I don't have it like, okay, I've got this modeled right. The spot's good. Usually in those things, I like to stay away. But God damn, Sean, I want to bet the Clippers in this spot. I've been looking for a spot to bet the Clippers for the last couple of games, and I definitely wasn't going to be against the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. I'll say this. I was really close to giving out Bulls minus one, Clippers minus five and a half, but I couldn't stomach both of those, both of those on, my, on, on my slate for tomorrow. I, I, can't, well, I couldn't watch both of those. So I had to pick one, and I, I was stronger on the Bulls the way I watched them come back in that second half, even potentially going to overtime and winning that game. So I, I ended up going with the Bulls, but this was my first pick off the board if it wasn't for Chicago minus one. Houston is under an immense amount of pressure in that locker room 
throughout. Everyone is feeling it. Now, the the number being five and a half and not getting much movement since post is telling you, just like Matt said, folks are like, yeah, go ahead and take Houston if you want to. This feels like a really, a really stinky number to me. This feels like a double digit win coming from the Los Angeles Clippers. I I'm going to have to wait until I can dig in a little bit and I get finalization on who's going to play and who's not going to play. And then maybe I'll have a, I'll have a Clippers slip, but the next, after this game, after Houston, they go to San Antonio for a home and home in San Antonio against Wemby and the boys. I'll tell you this. If they lose this game at home to Houston, I will have multiple units on the Clippers team total side in <laughs> San Antonio. Smash spot. That's not yeah, right. absolute smash spot there. So if you don't feel comfortable and you want to watch and see how this game shakes, this might be one of those spots where you wait live and just see how the game is rolling. But I, I would I would be there's no there's no no way, shape, or form would I be on Houston in this spot. The the desperation is going to be oozing off of the Clippers. And if we're being honest, they played pretty well against Denver the other night. I know a lot of people are rooting rooting for Harden and and the gang to lose every night. They played really well against Denver, yeah. and and we're in a really good spot to get the W, but just absolutely couldn't close it out. PG had a rough close to the game. Uh, if you go back and watch that, so yeah, this is a. Uh, Clippers all day or nothing for me. And if they do take it out, boy, oh boy, I, I can't wait to bet them against San Antonio. I saw that stat on the tournament nights and, and the home dogs being nine and one. And I was like, ooh, let's go find some home dogs. And I started looking through the slate. Yeah. And it is not a good one for me to find value on the home <laughs> dogs. Like, I've got the Hornets are four and a half here. How are the Hornets? Like, no matter how much you dislike the Milwaukee Bucks and what they've done looked like with Dame, and trust me, like I got questions. I can't get to four and a half here. I don't care if Giannis doesn't play. I can't. I cannot bet uh, the Charlotte Hornets, especially after I did the bet stream with them and saw Lamelo Ball's shot selection. And everybody's like, "Well, he all these guys were hurt. All these guys are out. This is Miles Bridges' first game." I get all that. I'm just telling you, like shot selection, he kills him, man. Like he when when Mel, when Lamelo just runs pick and roll, when he just makes reads like a standard NBA point guard, he's really good, and the offense works. But when he starts doing this fucking highlight shit, where he's hunting for tough shots, yeah, like he's not a great tough shot maker. I don't know, why, like just run the offense, man. You're good. Like you're a good passer. Um, so that one's a no go. I want to ask you about this one. I got a little value. The one that, that I can see is I got a little value. I can't believe it on the Wizards plus six and a half facing the Knicks. But that's mostly because my numbers think that the Knicks are garbage. I'm like manually bumping up New York because I just yeah. disagree with my number. Like my my raw projection on them is bad, and I'm like the Knicks are pretty good. Like we got to stabilize this. I'm even adjusting for strength of schedule, and it's still is not very tough. good. So like. What do you think about Knicks Wizards being somebody that's that's closer to the team? Yeah, um, I, I noticed you didn't go to the the Nuggets. You didn't you didn't want to. I'm getting they're, there. They're, I'm yeah, getting they're, there. that's a little home dog for you. That's spot. That's an interesting spot. Yeah, look, I I haven't missed a tick of a Knicks game this year, and they haven't had an opportunity for all three of their guys to click and they are still offensively. I'm talking about with RJ Baird, Julius Randall, Jalen Brunson. 
couple games that the this was the first one of the first games of the uh, of the year where Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle got out and scored almost twenty five plus. Jalen finished with twenty four, um, and Julius went over that twenty five point mark. But then R.J. Barrett wasn't there. They haven't got all three guys on the same page offensively, and they're still scraping out wins via defense and then big shot making at the end from Jalen Brunson. That's been their mo for quite a while now, especially since this, the second half of the season with Jalen. A lot of people feel like this on the Phoenix Suns. I, I can't gauge them. I don't know who's going to play. I'm not. If if I'm not fading them, I'm not betting them. That's where I'm at with Washington. Okay. There's absolutely no way I could bet Washington in any spot, especially against a, a physical, disciplined, defensive first team with a big time shot maker in Jalen Brunson. That's the if if a team is ever going to fold. Like Washington would, it would be a team. Like it'd be a team that they couldn't get a rebound against. They kept allowing offensive rebounds, which Mitch Rob and the Knicks do really well. And then they have a demoralizing shot maker like Jalen Brunson. So I wouldn't be looking to back Washington. Okay, we'll wait for the injury report as well. See if RJ plays. Once RJ, Jalen, and Julius offensively can get a couple games rolling, then Quentin Grimes just continues to shoot it the way he's shooting it. They're going to be back competing with the Cavaliers type for that fourth slot in the East. I'll say this. Uh, I've got this modeled about a point under of 227 where it's sitting right now, but that's based off of the early season when the Knicks offense was absolute garbage and they are over in three of four. And the last three wins that they've got those overs, it was 126, 129, 116. Then they had the 98 versus the Celtics, who are an elite defensive team, and the Wizards are at that. So I kind of think my that my projections are behind on the Knicks offense regressing to form, and I think I might play a small, I may have a small play on the over here. The offense is, if you go back to last year and how they closed the year, the offense is actually really good when they get the league. That's why I was confused Everybody when they started on, the year. On, they yeah, get, exactly. They couldn't yeah. get water if they fell out of boat for like the first week, except for R.J. Barrett, yeah. who, by the way, R.J. Barrett is his seventh in catch-and-shoot efficiency. He's got a 70% EFG right now on catch-and-shoot. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, career-high, true shooting. Yeah, the, he's been playing extremely well when he's been on the floor, dealing with the migraines, so he's been out. But, yeah, once they get those guys rolling and Julius – there's not a person in the league like Julius Randle when it comes to momentum, good or bad. When that guy is confident and feeling himself, he's an absolute force. And when it goes the other way, he has trouble getting out of that rut. He's starting to pick it up a little bit after a horrendous start. And um, he's starting to get a little comfy in those sketchers. And once they get all those guys together, they, they can't start rolling. The offense is not as bad as it has looked. Dante DiVincenzo has actually added quite a bit of shooting as well. He's been good so far this year. The The numbers are, the overall, the the picture on the offense is a touch underrated yeah. when you're talking about the New York Knicks. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and add that one. I'm going to play the over on that game too. So I'm going to have uh, three overs. I'm going to stay away from sides. I'll probably have some plays in the Action Network app. But I'm going to take the over uh, in Hawks Sixers, the over in Rockets Clippers, and I'll take the over in Knicks Wizards at 227.5 in the market. Uh, oh, final one. We should talk about that game. Pelicans are facing the Nuggets. Uh, Pelicans obviously really shorthanded. No CJ McCollum. Still no GTA. Larry Nance is out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
they completely just trucked the Mavericks team that looked very much like they had been out on bourbon the night before. Like that, it, it wasn't just like, oh, they play badly. <laughs> like you watch them and you're just like, oh boy, like they, this team definitely has the uh, the the the, the uh, French Quarter flu. Um, that said, you know, Denver on the road, not as good last two seasons. Denver, two losses on the road. They lost to the Wolves and they lost to um, the Rockets on the road. Pelicans, four and a half. That's right in line with what the average dog covering line is in the tournament games. Um, I do make this. I have on adjusted, if we adjust for how New Orleans has played at home this season, I have a little, I have about a point of value on New Orleans. If I do normalize, like a league standard home court advantage, I've got Pelicans right at this number. So I lean Pelicans. I just, it's four and a half, and that's in the range that makes me really scared because Denver's so fucking tough to beat. Like, they're just, they are tough to beat, man, because you could do everything right, and then Joker's just like, fuck you, I'm scoring 15 in this quarter. Or you're like, okay, uh, Joker's missing a bunch of shots. Oh, no, they sliced them up, they got a bunch of assists, and Joker got to the line because we had to play small ball because our big got in foul trouble. Like, it, it I, I, I very much want to bet Pelicans. This is another game I don't feel like I'm brave enough to take them. Yeah, this is a Pelican spot or nothing for me. Uh, the It's tough. It's Friday night. It's going to be juiced up in New Orleans. It's a very yeah. tough spot. It seems sometimes I, I want to say as sports bettors in general, and, I, and I'm still getting myself and learning to do this, is that sometimes the number is on point. Yeah. This is a very sharp number. Like the, there's always number. my initial my initial gut is you see a number and you all, you all like, let me pick a side. Yeah. Or like sometimes you just got to step back and be like, this is this number is dead on. That's right. There's number. no edge here whatsoever, in my opinion. So when you start to feel that and look at numbers like that, and this is exactly a spot and at, with with the Pelicans at home getting four and a half versus the champs. It's like this number seems very, very sharp. I'm going to have to look to another game on the slate. Um, oh, a little bit of an update. I said earlier that the wizard that the uh, Hornets were four and a half. That was the open line. It's seven and a half, which that's that's a lot more right. Like that that's yeah. a, the right number on uh, Bucks Hornets. And we'll see what the injury report looks like. All right, make sure to check out ActionNetwork.com and the Action Network app. You can follow Sean Little in there at Chicago Flow, as well as on Twitter. My thanks to David Payne, our producer, as well as Hutton Jackson, the video crew, getting this up on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com/slash/TheActionNetwork see a video version of the show we'll talk to you guys on monday i'll have the jays on we'll recap the end season tournament stuff and we'll get into uh our monday best bets as well have a great weekend till then let's get buckets action network reminds you please gamble responsibly if you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.